0: Welcome to this Windows 10 series and uh, in this series we're going to talk about different things about Windows 10 and why so many people are excited about it specifically we're gonna uh, have a conversation with a number of Microsoft evangelists to give us their perspective of uh, Windows 10. Uh, My name is Yang Cho I am a Microsoft technology evangelist as well and today we have Kevin Randy a good friend a colleague of Excellent, excellent information professional, knows a lot of things about uh, IT, and uh, we're going to get his perspective of Windows 10.
1: Kevin, are you on the line? I am here, Young. Thanks. Great to be here. <laughs> Always nice talking to you, and uh, especially for this, this recording. Uh, love to share my, my thoughts on Windows 10 with you. Well,
0: Kevin, I know you have a lot of fans out there, but for those who perhaps meet you for the first time, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do and what's your daily life looks
1: like. All right, well, my work is, uh, is very much like yours, Young. I'm a technology evangelist with Microsoft. I've been with the company for 12 years, uh, working in, in various, uh, uh, various organizations, but primarily doing the same thing the entire time, which is evangelism. It's, it's talking to as many, in my case, IT pros as I can about the great technologies and solutions that Microsoft has. Um, and of course now, with Windows 10 and its, and its uh, release and its, its rollout with new additions to, to help support the enterprise, of course, a lot of excitement around that.
0: Oh, great. And so, now, this series is about Windows 10, and specifically, yeah. in this episode, we want to know nothing else but your view. We want to know okay. what what do you think about Windows 10, what gets you excited, what's your favorite feature, and everything about it. So, uh, what does Windows 10 means to you?
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you know, I mean... Uh, I think, like a lot of people, um, you know, my first uh, interaction with Windows 8 was, wow, this is nice and colorful, and this is great, and, and I love it um, if I have a touchscreen. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it, it actually was, and I, don't think, I don't think a lot of people knows it, know this, but Windows 10 was actually, or sorry, Windows 8 was actually the most highly ranked operating system from Microsoft ever. Uh, now, I say that with the caveat that that was a ranking based on people who had touchscreens. Uh, people who didn't have touchscreens, it was it was kind of confusing, and so I think one of the big the biggest uh, improvements in Windows 10 certainly has to do with usability. Um, now I know you're probably going to have a, a, a you know one of our teammates or somebody else from the company talk a little bit more about the usability improvements, but for me that was a big a big deal the the idea that we have one desktop we have one interaction one interface for the universal apps you know what we used to call modern apps and as well as the traditional desktop apps working all side by side in a familiar way with a start menu that's now colorful so you get the same benefits of windows 8 and the live tiles and all that and the the custom customizability and flexibility that that gives you um, plus the familiarity of of the start menu and uh, and being able to access all your applications in that way, so it's great for Windows 7 users. It's great for Windows 8 users. It's great on modern hardware. It's great on uh, on so many different form factors. I think that's another big part of it too that I love is the fact that I can have a touch screen, I can have a small screen that fits in my pocket, I can have a large device. All of these things running Windows 10. Um, and although I'm not a developer, at least I haven't been for uh, you know dozen plus years. Um, you know the the, the the uh, amazing um, reach that developers are going to be able to have building universal apps for Windows 10 and these apps are going to run on many different form factors, many different screen sizes and Xboxes and Raspberry Pis and HoloLens as well as all the traditional uh, PC computing and computing devices. Uh, Those are the things that really excite me the most about Windows 10. Beyond that, I guess I'd have to say security. I think there's a lot of things that we've done in terms of security, in terms of information protection, uh, in terms of the uh, the threat resistance of the device. These are all things that businesses are going to care very much about. You know, the end user certainly likes the usability and the flexibility around devices, but devices are also important to businesses and the, the choice that their their people have in terms of being productive wherever they are and, and with whatever device they have. But if that's the case, we've got to be sure to be, that we can protect the information that's on the device and that we can protect uh, what the user does and, and allow them to use a personal device and business as well as know that at the lower levels, we're doing new things in, in, uh, in an operating system that actually addresses modern security threats. So that's another a big, uh, what, I, what I consider to be very, very important for Windows 10.
0: Right. So the usability definitely is great. I think the concept mm-hmm. to have the same... Uh, screen the same user experience across all different kinds of uh, form factor. I think that by itself is pretty amazing concept, and to it be is. able to see it actually happen, I think that's that's just great. Now you mentioned something that I am also very interesting, and I at want point hear your persp- perspective on it is the information protection, the threat of resistance. Give us more uh, more detail on that, perhaps more from the technical angle of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and. I think you know, in terms of protecting modern devices or protecting against modern security threats, um, there's really three main pillars that we have to look at. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, managing the identities of the users and how we can keep those secure, and we've got some great things happening there. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail about that today. I know we've got another uh, of our teammates who's going to talk about security and, and secure identities. Uh, you know, I, I, I but I always like to talk about the. Uh, the fact that well two things one is i love the new commercials i love the windows 10 commercials with the little kids and and the the the, the little kid that uh the, i guess the the voiceover says and so and so won't have to ever have to remember a password because they'll log in with their smile you know being able to do that sort of thing is just, just great and, and uh, we'll, we'll certainly talk about that in a, in a future episode um but along with that in business it's about protecting the information that the user is using if it's company information and, and protecting or trusting the applications that are installed and, or being used on a device. Um, and that has um, implications with regard to who owns the device, right? Okay. So you know, if it's, a, if it's a bring your own device scenario, well, the user, they, they picked, a, a, a maybe they picked a Surface, they picked up some other uh, two-in-one or a tablet or something, they wanna be able to get work done on it. Well, yeah, but it's a personal device. Do they really wanna get work done on it? And if a business can support that, but support it in a way that protects the information that's company information and Kind of partitions it along, you know, alongside of personal information. So personal information is personal information. Personal apps are personal apps. Company apps are company apps, and they're managed in a way that allows me to make sure that the information is is mm-hmm. is kept separate from personal and kept secured away from that. And I, you know, for example, wouldn't be able to copy and paste company information from a company managed application into Twitter. And even if I try to do it accidentally, it, the operating system should say, Hey, well, well, wait a minute, that that information is company information. Are you sure? you want to do that or simply deny it altogether so having um, you know options there Um, so if
0: i understand you correctly so information protection you know if we look at our today's our work style our lifestyle there's a lot of personal stuff in work you sometimes you just cannot separate them right and so you you kind of have need to figure out a way uh, to blend them together by blending uh, properly, right? So mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. information will be company information, personal will be personal. I think the question comes down to it is, uh, I have my laptop with you and there are times, even my work I have to get in Twitter, right? And there, there may be mm-hmm. some, some information that's, that's you know, we don't want to mess around with, with the corporate information or miss it together. So would I be able to really separate them, protect them in, in a different, perhaps in different policy and different uh, level?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that's actually what's really exciting about this. So let me throw out a scenario. Um, You know, uh, I buy a a new Surface. Um, I buy it for personal use. Now, my company has has set up the ability to um, allow me to either, you know, connect to the domain, certainly as a company machine if I wanted to, but uh, more in a a personal sense, use a Microsoft account, log in with that. um, And oh, by the way, I want to get company email. Well, to get company email, I turn, I launch the email application. I enter the the username and password for my company account. It comes down, and says, "Okay, it's connected." But um, by the way, we need we need to set some policy on this device. You need to actually agree to allow this to be a company managed application and a company to some extent a company managed device. Now, it's not a per, it's still your personal device, but you know, an application or even a functionality such as email needs to have some some policy associated with it that says you know, we're going to allow you to have company information on this device only if you agree to and, and actually have policy applied that says uh, lo- it, it locks out after a certain amount of time, it has a secure password associated with logging in, you have um, you know, to a pin assigned to it, and so on. Yeah, these are all, and, and, and in the past, we've actually had things like that. I mean, exchange policies have actually allowed uh, um, that sort of policy. Exchange accessing will actually allow that kind of policy to push to a device. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to manage it even in a broader sense. Mm-hmm. So now, um, and, and along with that first scenario, let me talk about email. What about... Um, If I open up the email for the first time and I connect to the company email server, but all I see is one email, I don't see all the rest of my emails that I expect to see from my inbox. I only see one email, and that one email says, um, "You have to. This is a uh, you know company. uh, your, Your your device currently isn't registered, so it's not." Uh, it doesn't match policy in some way. Go here and register your device, or here's instructions on how to do that, and you can actually do that within Windows 10 to um, associate your device with the company directory. And so, you have a couple of different options there. You can actually join the device to the company Azure Active Directory, um, and then in turn could automatically enroll the device in mobile device management, so we could be using Intune for mobile device management, and in that sense, now I've got policies that can be applied to this device. Now I've got applications that can be pushed to this device, or I will allow me to go to a portal and, and install certain applications. And based on the policies for those applications, they could be managed applications. So, again, still a personal device. I've agreed to allow my company to, to manage certain aspects of it and agreed mm-hmm. to certain policies around security on the device. And then when I use, uh, let's let's use Word as an example. I open up I open up Word. Word is a managed application that I've installed from my company's portal. Um, I open up a, a SharePoint that's a company portal. I open up a Word document. I save that document locally. That's great. It saves locally, but it's encrypted. Okay, and in fact in the file explorer you might even see that that text of the name of that file is green. That means it's actually a protected uh, Mm -hmm. document. You can see additional information about that document where it's actually being managed. I can copy and paste information from Word into PowerPoint, because PowerPoint would be another managed application. But Mm -hmm. if I tried to take that same text that's sitting in the clipboard and put it in Twitter as an unmanaged application, I would get that message. I would get a a notification saying, hey, wait a minute, whoa, that's company information. You can't do that. Or uh, maybe giving me the ability to override it. I mean, it's really a matter of uh, policy and how you set that up. You could even have it just simply auditing and and simply recording what's happening with that information. the idea here is that it gives IT control over a device that typically wouldn't have been a controlled device. It protects the information and the and, and the trusted applications, and so unauthorized applications have no access to company information and. Uh, you can't you, the clipboard supports it the file system supports it with encrypting the, the, the files that are company information When that device is removed from management, either the user goes into the portal and says, "This is no longer uh, going to be registered to the company anymore i 'm going to give this device to my daughter." Uh, you know well, then what happens to the, those applications? What happens to that data? It's it's no longer available. It was all encrypted and secured by a certificate. That certificate is no longer valid, so that data is no longer valid. So it really doesn't matter what happens at that device at that point. That company information is is gone for all intents and purposes. So that that's that's where you know enterprises are really going to be able to take advantage of mobile device management, uh, device enrollment that allows a user to agree to certain policies even on a personal device. And this Sorry, is things I- that. These are things that we can. Sorry, these are things that we can actually even do um, with other devices. Uh, we can, if I have an iPad, I can have the same kind of experience. If I have an Android device, you know, depending on the device and the the capabilities uh, of that device, we have the ability now in mobile device management and the standards around that to uh, to work with those as well. So it's it's right alongside in Windows 10 supporting full mobile device management and mobile device policy through Intune, through Azure Active Directory, and through the users agreement to uh, to allow that device to be managed to, to some extent. Sure. So so if I understand you correctly, the information protection means like
0: uh, for any kind of device, uh, I mean, in a window 10 environment,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: certain uh, property or resources are managed by the company. And that's the company property, like company data or company mm-hmm. managed application. And I also have a personal and because window 10 you know enable us to be able to manage the company based upon company property and personally as a person, so it doesn't matter where I go it doesn't matter which form factor i'm in if I'm in window ten, the company policy will be able to enforce any time I use that data
1: yeah yeah i mean you'd and you'd go through an initial process of of uh, uh, of registering that that your device with the company or or actually um you know, kind of connecting with the mobile device management so that, it, that those policies can be maintained. Um, you know, along with that, um, your device health could be a part of this as well. So it actually gives you, um, and this kind of gets into the next topic, which is threat resistance, but we have the, <clears throat> the notion of conditional access. Which says, if there's something unhealthy about this device, if malware hasn't been up to, if anti-malware software hasn't been kept up to date or if the service isn't running, um, if there's some policy around uh, password or PIN or, or lockout that hasn't been set appropriately or maybe has been reset to something um, outside of company policy, then that, that health information also can, trans, can translate up into the systems such as uh, mobile device management. And uh, you would be then denied access to things that you had previously had access to. So um, maybe we can actually monitor health over time against these devices.
0: Well, I think, you see, Kevin, when it comes to mm-hmm. threat and resistance, there's always a question for me is, you know, okay, so let's say I have the device and I put in antivirus and I scan it, everything's fine. Now, mm-hmm. next time when I access the data... Does the computer assume it's healthy? Does the computer assume everything's fine just like to access? Or I really think that like, we should check it on the fly, don't we?
1: Well, it's it's um, you know like we have done actually for a number of years now. The the security uh, subsystem has a, has a has knowledge about how healthy things are there, and so it's it's the tools like that that kind of kind of connect can be connected to, or are being connected to and monitoring and then uh, you know as requested. Uh, information about that device kind of goes up with that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is technology we've had for a long time with, with anti, anti-malware and antivirus technologies that are, you know, installed into Windows or included in Windows, and Windows actually includes an approved version of Windows Defender. Uh, so we have the anti-malware and antivirus all built in, um, and that health state uh, is taken from that. A portion, or actually, one aspect of health state is taken from that. That's really just one aspect of many uh, having to do with uh, policies that would determine whether or not a machine was was healthy. You
0: ha- based upon what you have described,
1: it appears mm-hmm. to
0: me that uh, you monitor the health, so when, when I access the data in a Windows 10 environment, it appears it is still going to check, it, it assuming this is not necessarily, everything is hunky-dory, so even though, you know, let in, in, you know previously maybe everything is fine, but now when you want to access I'm going to check you again.
1: You know, and again, I'm and actually, I'm not sure how how frequent that check is done. So, uh, you know, I really can't answer that question uh, from off the top of my head as far as what uh, you know, when when policies are checked or when they're reapplied. But uh, we, we we have this we do have this notion of contin uh, of conditional access that is based on policies. You said in mobile device management, such as Intune.
0: Cool, cool. So 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 Kevin, it's an information protection. It's a. Mm-hmm. a Thread resistance that that yeah, gets you yeah, yeah. kind of really excited about the Windows 10. So, uh, when are you gonna get the device when it comes out?
1: Uh, when am I gonna get my? The, that's device? right. Oh, I well, I've, I've already got my Surface Pro 3. Okay. I'm hope, I'm I'm actually gonna. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna buy one of the newer ones yet. Uh, I I i you know eventually I imagine. Um, I do I do have uh, I, I want to get the. Um, uh, the new keyboard. Uh, one of the things I love, again, kind of going back to uh, identity security, is is the Windows Hello and how that is based upon the passport and the fact that we can use fingerprint. And I, I really wanted to get the uh, the new keyboard with the fingerprint reader. I was surprised it wasn't available today, but I guess it'll be available in a few weeks. Um, I, you know, I do want to talk a little bit more about um, other attack vectors. Uh, we we actually do have many things uh, with regard to security of the device that we want that we will, um, you know, definitely we are def- definitely addressing in a different way and, and i think a kind of a surprisingly good way uh in, in comparison to what previous operating systems have done um one is the integrity of the device itself uh, you know I, we've had uh, the ability to do a secure boot and, and do a trusted boot for a little while with uef uefi mm-hmm. um and w- in windows 8 we improved it uh, even better than windows 7 and that we actually had it kind of self-healing you know if something was modifying the bootloader uh, and something Tried to run code that was, you know, being run. It was being run before the operating system booted. Therefore, it was being running before most antivirus or anti-malware was running. Um, you know, they could actually do some pretty nasty things. And so, Windows 8 actually uh, watched for and actually remediated against any attacks on that. Um, and we've improved that also in, in Windows 10. And we actually even can. Um, that can actually be another aspect of health of the device as well. So uh, we're actually modif- watching that integrity of the device even even beyond the, uh, the bootloader, but also in the, uh, uh, the device integrity of the applications and the device drivers that are running on. So we could actually set it up to where, uh, and this is actually coming, um, I think, in the next few months, where we can actually say, uh, don 't you can 't run this uh, this app or you can 't run this service or this device driver if it 's not signed if it 's not uh, verified to be trustworthy and it becomes a white list of applications and really all components even outside the operating system that that need to be strongly trusted um, in order to to function and if not then of course you're you 're notified of that mm-hmm. um, so so much much more powerful monitoring of the system and and the detection of any kind of uh, Uh, malware or any kind of uh, bad software trying to get uh, on and running. Now
0: Kevin obviously you know a lot about Windows 10 and you know what I want to be like you where do I find all this resources other than your blog I guess you know uh, definitely that's something I'll be looking for but how can I be like Kevin? What do I need can to do? How you be
1: like Kevin? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I want to be like Young. So, you know, I, you can be like Kevin, you can be like, be like Young. Uh, I do have a blog. It's called Full of IT. So if you go to aka.ms slash full of IT, you can certainly get there. And I, I try to post there regularly. Um, I, I I can't recommend highly enough the, the Microsoft Virtual Academy resources. Uh, there's a lot of great sessions out there. And I don't even... I can't even really list any specific sessions off the top of my head, but if you simply search for Microsoft Virtual Academy, you'll find a wealth of information and, and, and hours and hours and days and days of content that have been recorded and a, and a schedule of live events as well. So you can actually go in there and get free training. You can track your progress. Um, you can, it'll be, you'll can. be tested, your, your knowledge will be tested as you go through as well. I know we've got a lot of great to- uh, content on Windows 10, on Windows 10 development as well. If you're a developer, you want to learn how to build modern apps or, or not, universal apps uh, so that your devices, your applications will run on in a couple of years a billion devices. Think about that for a second. <laughs> now being able to, to do that uh, and be able to get that free training to do that, um, it's invaluable. So definitely take in advantage fact, of it.
0: In fact, Kevin, I know in MSDN, you did quite a number of Windows 10 uh, episodes as well, right? I mean, those were good resources as well.
1: I've done a couple things there, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and share your perspective with us. And uh, there's so much to talk about, so little time we have. And hopefully we get another opportunity to have you come back and finish all the story that you want to tell us. Kevin, thank right. you so much.
1: Thank you, Young. Great talk to you as always.